Hey guys, sorry for the delay in posting this episode. The last three minutes you will notice of this episode, the audio quality diminishes. Our apologies, our, our computer crashed, we tried to recover the audio, did not work very well, so uh, the last three minutes are a little tough, but hopefully you can get through it. Also, if you're not receiving our, our emails, go to thecatholicmancho.com and subscribe to our email list. We're about to launch a new t-shirt campaign with 100% original artwork of different heroic saints, Maximilian Colby, uh, Father Stanley Rother. We have several others in the works, so I would like to let you know about it whenever it launches. Also, I want to thank you to all those, give a thank you to all those who support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Catholic Man Show. We continue growing, and because so, we're able to continue doing more and more things. So I'm, I'm grateful for all of you guys. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, cheers to Jesus. Warning, the Catholic Man Show contains high levels of manliness. It's simple, really. You either want to grow in virtue and holiness, or you want to be a sissy, whiny baby. If you choose to move forward, grab your whiskey glass because the Catholic Man Show is starting right now. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. And I really do mean welcome back to some of you. Take two. We tried to do something, and it did not work well. We tried to do something beautiful, and it was ugly, and we killed it. So we had to start over. We tried to stream YouTube and Facebook at the same time. The video was choppy. The recording was not very good. It was completely distracting. So we said, you know what? No. This is what my this is what happens with my little with Jude. He, he he loves drawing, and he will draw the whole picture. Spend you know ten minutes on this picture, and then accidentally color outside the line of one, or color the wrong thing, or like put Mary up above everybody else, like above Jesus. And then he knows, oh, I can't do that. I can't put mm. Mary above. Jesus. And so yeah. he will literally take the picture, crumple. Whoa, almost hit the mic there. Careful. I did hit the mic there. Careful. Crumple up that picture and throw it away and say, no, I have to start all over yeah, again. Yeah, well, if Mary's above Jesus, you got to throw it away. That was just a, an example. I mean, anyway. No. Coloring the, outside the line, you know, you just kind of work with it. You just move he, the... He, does, he is a perfectionist. What you do is you move the line. <laughs> How moral, morally relativistic of you. <laughs> you're painting. I mean, you're drawing. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to do this again. We're going to try... We're going to try again on, on on this segment. So, welcome to the Catholic Man Show. Mm-hmm. Adam and Ann here with David Niles, Juan on the buttons, and a handful of people on Facebook watching as with us as well. So, this evening, what we are drinking, if you're wondering, this is your first time tuning into the Catholic Man Show, and you're like, hey, what are these guys doing? Why are they drinking on, on a Catholic radio show? Google Catholic Answers, Adam Minahan and David Niles, or Catholic Answers, Catholic Man Show. We did a Catholic Answers-focused podcast with Cy Kellett and explained the whole bit on why Christians can drink. And so instead of going into that, just just Google that and have fun because Cy Kellett is awesome yeah. and hilarious. Would you like mm-hmm. to introduce mm-hmm. the drink? Uh, sure. Today we're drinking a Balvenie product. Mm-hmm. The. The Balvenie, that's correct. They have, you'd think that there's only one of them, but 
there's not. There's a whole lot of them. Uh, this is a single barrel, first fill, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. This is particular uh, bottle number 165. So it's right. I like, 160, I like that number 165. Right about in the middle somewhere of the cask because it's 300 bottles yep. per cask. This, this bottle is one of no more than 300 drawn from right. a single cask. Now, they did happen to make this is cask number 6,611. So they, lest you think that, like, ooh, this is. A, like a special reserve bottle. Nay, my friend. There's a lot of them out there. <laughs> this is, uh, probably like over, over 7,000 casks. Each cask has 300 bottles. But it's still very good. It is. I oh. don't particularly... So that, you know, the thing about what they mean first, Phil, is that um, it's not coming from a used barrel. So it's not aging in a used barrel. Most of the well, time... Well, it is. But it's only once. It's been used by for bourbon barrels. It's been what I thought it was. This is the first fill. The, so it is. A, it's a first fill of an ex bourbon barrel. In order for it to be a bourbon barrel, it had to have bourbon in it. The, Come on. But this is Scotch. Correct. We're not drinking bourbon. Correct. But Scotch can use virgin barrels. Yes, but these are okay. Bur- see, I thought bourbon barrel. I thought it was saying it's a virgin barrel. It's the first fill of an ex bourbon bur- barrel. Okay, that's what it says? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit misleading. And I think less... <laughs> uh, well, I didn't hear... I guess I just didn't... I didn't hear you say that before. Okay, okay. That it's actually an ex-bourbon barrel. I mean, scotch usually is from bourbon barrels. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was correct. used used to make only one batch of bourbon, correct. I suppose. Yeah, because bourbon can only do that. Oh, right, because bourbon's always, uh, always virgin oak, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, the tasting notes are given to us by the the master distill the uh-huh. malt master and he says the the consistent f- character is that of a rich and complex with deep vanilla oakiness honey notes are overlaid with sweet fruits and subtle spices the finish is a lingering sweet and since we've already tried this cuz we tried to go segment 1 already once and failed we already know that it is lingering sweet correct and uh you thought that it was very smooth. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's Balvenie, so it's everything that they make is going to be very, very smooth. I mean, you're. It's a I, high. I don't know if you can get a bottle of Balvenie for less than 60 bucks. I mean, and you can you can spend probably over 200 Oh, yeah. They have one on of the. Some. Most I mean, expensive, I, think, I think it's. You spend, I think, over 40 grand. I think on, they on have Balvenie? Yeah, I think it had they, I think they had like a 50 year or 60 year one that went really high dollar mm-hmm. in auction. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you're this is always good stuff. Uh, you know, if you've got the money to to pay for it. The, on the nose is extreme it, like very apple. Yeah, yeah. It, it's almost like apple tart. And I don't I don't really get much apple on the palate right. or the finish. Yeah. But the, ap- the isn't apple the apple is how overcoming. it could smell that way without tasting that way. Mhm. Um it is a lingering finish but it's more of the lingering honey uh, the lingering right, yeah the sweetness uh, caramelize like the caramelization but it, mm-hmm. there's not a, a lingering fruitiness in my opinion no i agree so uh something new that we've done on the catholic man show the last couple episodes is tell a, a, a story of our youths mm-hmm. since we're now mm-hmm. old mm-hmm. we're 33 
I'm going to be 34 not too long. I know, bro. That, that sounds very old. Anyway. Very soon, you'll be one... You'll be uh, like... Here very soon, I'm going to look at you and say, next year, you'll be halfway to 70. Mm-hmm. Which would be very weird. Yeah. So Dave and I have been best friends forever, since five years, since we were five years old. We went to... Forever is a little misleading. Right. Yeah. Uh, we, we did Boy Scouts together, and one of the things in Boy Scouts that happens is you get a whittling chip. If you, it's a big thing in Cub Scouts. You get the opportunity to have a pocket knife. Your parents know about that, that you're getting a pocket knife. They know that you got it. It's a sharp object that you get to have. You get to carry it in your pocket. Yeah. But you have to pass tests, and they give you a card. Mm-hmm. The tests are very easy. They go through the the do's and don'ts. Go to the class. You got to go to the class. Yeah. It gives you the safety Cub rules. Cub Scout class. You have to. This is not Boy Scouts. This is Cub, Cub Scouts. Right. Cub Scouts. Right. You have to whittle something in order for it to get the card anyway you get the card and what happens is when you have it you in order for it to be a valid card you can't have all four corners torn off you get a corner torn off if you violate one of the safety rules right and any any leader can take a corner of your whittling chip and i remember thinking as you get your your card i go that's not lasting long Mm -hmm. not gonna last long and yeah. how long did how long did it last? I don't remember. We a week? Oh no, it was longer than maybe that. two weeks. I don't. You cut the, I don't know. You cut your screen, uh, your window screen. Yeah. You cut your thumb. Tell them about cutting your thumb. Well, I was thinking about that, and I was trying to remember if that was even. That may have been even before Cub Scouts when you did that. Yeah. Well, all I remember is I was there to see the glory of you getting your last corner cut by your mom. Yeah. And I thought, yes, I, had, I hadn't gotten any corners cut. And David had already had all four. Yeah, but I had probably been using and playing with my knife <laughs> at like more. a 10 to 1 ratio right. of what you, you know, yours is like sitting there on your desk and mine's like in my hands all the time, you know? <laughs> wonder what I can do, do with it. Do you remember him. what happened? So you left the blade open one time for sure. Uh, yeah. And that was, that was a, a, you can't do that. Right. Yeah, there, there are rules, you know. Right can't leave the blade open when, you're not, yeah. when it's not in use i know that you uh cut the screen your window i screen. did and that was like man i remember doing that like was it sat- it was yes, it was it's like <laughs> you know like had a nice popped it like cut real nicely mm-hmm. you know and it just felt I, I remember i cut an x and you're like you knew like, that wasn't ooh, right but it, that was good and i don't know if how, if i did one or two screens i could have done <laughs> Could have done another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a big X right in the middle of the screen. But I just remember your mom taking taking that last last chip, and you knew it. You knew yeah. that it was happening. But I think the whole thing, when, cut, when I cut my thumb, I think that was before we ever got the actual card. Because my dad came home with a pocket knife and gave it to me. And it was like before... Like I got one in Scouts. Okay, well, well, that so, one. T- tell that. So we were. I was that. showing you. You were over at my house, and I was like, "Look at my pocket knife." And I remember we like got under a chair. Like we, yeah, we like, went crawl. Like hid under. Like the we're chair. under this chair. You know, it's there's no cover really being provided by this chair. But anyway, I pulled it out, and I wanted to see how. Sh- you know, it's like you know what, feel the blade. Right. You know, like feel, feel how sharp it is. Feel how sharp it and is. And so I like kind of ran my thumb along it, and then like. <laughs> Oh, looked at my thumb and it was like bleeding all the way down my thumb. I was like, oh God! And I, don't, I don't remember how old I was. I mean, I was probably five. Oh, we were older than that. Or, yeah, I don't know. 
I, anyway, it didn't matter. But no, I bet I was. I bet it was about five. You cut. You cut your thumb pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, it healed quick. <laughs> you were young. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember. You're it like, certainly bled. You go, you're like, look how sharp it is, and like you ran your thumb <laughs> right, down, right down the blade, and all of a sudden, just blood started. That basically went all the way through my thumb. Yeah, that's, Go live, yeah. yeah. So but, I think I got that pocket knife taken away. Yeah, because that was before that. I, now that I think about it, that was before Cub Scouts and getting and then getting your second pocket knife yeah. taken away. I think my dad got it from like a wholesaler at work, you know. And how he's like, many, "I'll give this to my son." How many pocket knives have you gotten taken away? I I don't know, not that many. <laughs> Relatively, yeah. You know, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> who who knows? Who knows really? All right, well, we're going to talk about forming our children's consciences today. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan playing with pocket knives. Now, it's not even very sharp. This Sorry. doesn't this doesn't even cut me when I run my thumb <laughs> along it. You know what? That's a good man gear. We needed to have a knife sharpening kit as a We did we did whetstones. We did whetstones. We did a whetstone, but I need to do the uh, the the kit that I have because yeah. it's really nice. Mm-hmm. How do you release this? It thing? doesn't. You just pull it back. You just just pull it just, real hard. <laughs> Put your just thumb get, down. Just, re- just go real just hard. Really, You'll be fine. Okay. You'll be fine. Gotcha. Yeah. Here, why don't you give that to me? You make me nervous with knives. It's not even sharp. And that's, a that, dangerous. that's dangerous. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. A, a sharp knife is a safe knife, okay? Fair enough. Whittling chip 101. I agree with you. Uh, so, Dave, this weekend I got out of Tulsa, went down to southeast Oklahoma. Yes. Hung out, got mm-hmm. a chance to do mm-hmm. a lot of fishing. Yeah, it was a it was a it was so much fun, dude. I love watching. Are you sure that picture you sent me was a bat was a crappie and not a bass? It looked like a bass to me. Well, I don't know. I think I sent you several, so I don't know which one you're talking you about. Sent, I did you, send you one with a bass and one with a crappie. Oh, I only remember one, so I'm not sure. So I love watching my boys. They're old enough now to where they can, you know, they can kind of fish on their own. Oh yeah, there's a lot of tangling processes. Yeah, that's, there's a lot that is of, a. Uh, that's a big deal, right? But I can Once at least you can get there. I can at least get like get them going and watch them uh, fish. And and this weekend, my, my Jude, he he caught about a three pound bass by nice. himself. And this was like he was on the other side of the pond than I was, so I had did not help him whatsoever. No one was helping him. He, yeah, he just he was casting, reeling in, casting, reeling in, and then all of a sudden he yells, "I got one!" And he says that a lot, you know, because every time they get snagged. Right. They think that they got it's one. The big, yeah. All right. It's the biggest fish in the world. Right. And he's like, I got one. And I was like, okay. I didn't really look. And then all of a sudden, I see him hightailing it backwards away from the water and reeling, just trying to get this fish. I was going to ask you, did he drag it out? Yeah, just like, trying to get it out of that water. really, the drag it out method is it's, an effective method. It's effective. Like, like if you don't have a net, it, just drag it out. And he got it. Just, just, I just think, start running. I took a picture of it, man. And he was like... He was so proud. Heck yeah. And it was the biggest fish that was caught the week for the weekend. Yeah. So it was so much fun to watch him. I think that was the picture you sent me. 
Okay, maybe so. Because it looked like a largemouth bass, is what you sent me. Well, and I said, he did. Largemouth bass, and you said crappie. Oh, well, I sent you two. Maybe one oh. only went through. Possibly. And, and that, that could be a possibility. But because the, the, the good thing about shoddy reception areas, the good you know. thing about being in Southeast Oklahoma, your, your cell phone reception isn't that great. Yeah, it doesn't work very well. But so we're talking about forming our, our children's consciences. That uh, mm-hmm. uh, this this evening and hang on just to like follow up. I watched this really funny video today, but I realize it's from not. Uh, I don't think it's like recent. Uh, yeah, what's this guy's name? Uh, Hawkins something Hawkins. He's a comedian. He sings songs. I think he's also like Tim Hawkins. Tim, Tim Hawkins. Tim. Yeah. Yeah. He did a uh, spoof video called Cletus Take the Real. Nice. His video, he's fishing with his buddy Cletus, and he gets yeah. a leg cramp as he's reeling in a big bass, and so he just throws it behind him, and Cletus take the reel. I can't do this alone. It's pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Uh, it was really funny this weekend, too, because my boys are super competitive, right? Yeah. And Luke, one of the things about fishing is it's not called catching. No. It's called fishing. Right. And he Luke learned that, Learned that the hard way this e- this weekend because he didn't catch a whole lot. He caught a couple, and they were Small. not mon- they were not monsters, is what they like. It, it, there's two categories in my my boy's book: monster and not monster. Right. Those are the two categories for fish. Yeah, and I let me let me just see: was he fishing with a lure that was almost a monster in and of itself? Because you know this is a <laughs> no. That, this is a kid uh, mistake. It's like, right. oh, give me that big one. Right. No, I want. I want to catch I a big fish. I, I didn't allow him because I wanted him to catch fish. Right. Um, but what my what Jude started doing was my my wife Haley was start, starting to fish as well, and she was she was throwing it out there while he was right next to her, and she would get she would catch one a small little perch or whatever, and and he'd get run over there and start reeling it in. Well, he would count that as him catching it, and ah. and so at the end of the day. When we, we started asking, okay, let's add it all up. Who who caught how many fish? Jude started adding. I was like, Jude, you didn't catch that many. He was like, yeah. Jude or Luke? Jude. He, that's what he was doing. Oh, okay. And I was like, Jude was like, yeah, I caught that many. I was like, no, you didn't, bud. And he's like, yeah, mom's, mine. And I was like, that, see, that is a, a good fisherman tale right there. Like, he's already catching on. Just start naming all of them. Yeah, like, yeah and I, I was I, actually counting yours. Right, yeah. I, I because I tied the lure onto your pole for you, right? And so, and so technically, it's I like it. basically I caught it. Yeah. Um, anyway, outsourcing the fishing to you, but it's my fish. I hadn't had a chance to talk to you, so I that 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 story was really just for you. Thank you. I wanted to tell you. I that. do like that story. That it has a little bit to do with the man gear this evening. Okay. Uh, rubber boots. Mm, nice. Is is the man gear this evening and. Yeah, it's a good I, one. I used them a lot this weekend. If you have kids, having rubber boots is perfect because you don't have to worry. As boys, all they want to do is, is there if there's a puddle, they want to stomp yeah, on it. Yeah, they just want to run in the muck. Right. And as you're fishing and things like that, you can't really be paying attention to wet spots, if it's wet or not. You don't yeah. want to be worried about getting your feet all wet and cold. So my boys had, had rubber boots. Another great thing about it is once you get home, all you have to do is kick them off. And you're good to go. You're, right. you're dry. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I discovered rubber boots at our camp out this last year. That, I, I was hoping that's what... Yeah. Okay. I had some. For, I've had some for a long time. Right. I bought some uh, when I was redoing the patio. My Well, I, I poured a concrete patio in my backyard, mm-hmm. um, expanded it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted some boots I could walk through this 
through the cement with that I didn't worry about. And and really, you can do that with anything. Uh, you can clean cement off shoes. But um, I bought these, and I never really used them again. Never put the. I just they just kind of were in the garage, and so I threw them in the you know the car, take to the camp out, and I ended up putting them on, thinking like these are awesome. Oh, they're per- yeah. Like these are incredible, and the ones I have are cheap. Mm-hmm. I would really really like a nice, nice pair. What are they called? Muck something? They have those like they, they have a nickname. Oh, yeah. Like muck treaders or I don't know. I'm making that up, but yeah, because uh, if you get a really nice pair that's warm, because that's the thing, you know, they're not. These boots are often not warm, so I have right. a pair of Keen hiking like boots, you know, and those things are nice. Mm-hmm. Like if you wear if you wear work boots a lot, Keen get you a pair of Keen boots. Those will change the game. They're nice and warm. The rubber boots though. Totally 100% waterproof, not always very warm. Right. But you can get some that are nice that are warm. You know what I mean? So it just depends on what you're going to be doing. Are you going to be duck hunting? Because right. duck hunting is cold. Right. You're so going to you're so gonna want Hunting some, normally is cold. Yeah. Deer, deer hunting is another, you know, it's cold. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the, I started, when I started deer hunting was whenever I first got rubber boots. That was the first... First real pair that I got. Yeah. And I realized really fast, this was a, this is an item that I undervalued or did not really... Right. It was not in my yeah. m- my repertoire of boots. Also, it's the only boot as a dude that you tuck your pants into. Right. Don't. That's a good clarification. Right. Because cowboy boots... Cowboy kind of boots the same. can do that. No. Yeah, no. you can. No, you can't. Yeah. Not if you... Not unless you... If you're, wor- if you're, out, if you're working if out... If you're working, it, like... But if you're just wearing cowboy boots, right. okay. If you're like a Walmart cowboy, you're talking about a Walmart if you're just, cowboy. If you're putting on cowboy boots, don't tuck your pants into your cowboy boots. You're gonna look like an idiot unless you're work unless you're out there working the field. I'm just saying, in, if you're just putting on cowboy boots, all right. Even if you're working, like don't your default is not tucking your pants into your cowboy boots. The rubber boots are the exception. You do tuck the pants into the rubber boots. That's the way it, that it just looks best that way. Just there's a, that's a is that the ca- a Catholic that's a Man fashion, show, fashion tip, tip from the Catholic Man Show. You're welcome. There's not very many of those. They are not. There's not there's very many. Very few fashion tips. Now, if, when here it comes to like Man Show <laughs> suit etiquette, we could we could we, we, we could could offer some more. But uh, you know, when we give it, it's because it's a rule. Mm-hmm. I, I I did enjoy them the, this weekend though, especially with with kids. I realized really fast. Not so do only, you have a nice pair? I have a nice pair. I, they're not they're not super. They're not the hundred twenty dollar yeah. pair. That, yeah. But they're Joe Forler had some nice ones at the camp out. I remember he did. looking at like man, those look man. So the camp out nice. Unfortunately, this last year was a a monsoon almost. They're, I think it was our wettest camp out, which is hard to imagine because we've had several. <laughs> yeah. But we, we trekked through it. We had a great turnout still. We had, you know, over 40 guys there for the weekend. It, it made for good stories. Terrible weather always makes for good stories. You always get good stories when everybody's having to huddle up and being like, man, this weather right. sure is bad. You know, because you have to figure out, you have to be creative and you have to figure out what to do. Yeah. Because you don't get to just go out and, anyway, uh, this year, hopefully, we will still get to do a camp out. Yeah. I'm assuming we will. Well, we're going to do a camp out. We'll just... Everybody will stay six feet away if they have to. 
yeah. know, that's kind of how I feel too. But I didn't want to get didn't want to get in trouble. Right? Yeah. It's like don't. It, don't I mean, don't send me any. Yes, we're gonna do the camp out. Don't send me an email about the coronavirus because I just don't care. If you if you do, I will just be happy to delete your email. It's yeah. That's that's just the way it goes. Hopefully, though, this year we'll have it uh, earlier to where because the end of October I doubt it. always I doubt it rains. No, the end. Of, you say that like as if, if you go if you go a, back as through, if there's a weekend on the calendar that rains every single time. I mean, no, it's just like there's tendencies. But like the week before, the second week of October versus the third week is the same chance of raining. You can't say that one week earlier is going to make it less chance of raining. All right. Plus, it's probably going to be the same week. It's probably going to rain. So get you a pair of... Yeah, it's uh, just going to rain, okay? That's what it does. Get some pair of, of rubber rubber boots and come to the camp out this yeah, year. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be epic. All right, so when we get back, we're going to talk about forming your, your children's consciences. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Sipping a little bit of the Balvini single barrel, twelve year first fill. Got done talking about some rubber boots. We're gonna talk about forming your children's consciences today. I listened to a podcast. I'm on the way home from uh, my fishing trip, and so as a podcaster, listening to one episode of a podcast makes you basically an expert in that topic. Yeah, and so. Uh, I wanted to, to talk about it. I actually listened to, it's called The Heights uh, Podcast. It's a great podcast. I would highly recommend it. Go subscribe to it. Uh, there was a talk given by uh, Colin Gleason, and he, he, he was talking about forming your son's consciences, like forming your young son's conscience. Okay. It was the, to- was the talk that he gave, and I listened to it, and I was thinking like, man, that's a good uh, a good topic that we could talk about, maybe not specific to sons, but just young young children's consciences uh-huh. forming them. So, um, how would you define con? Like, I haven't thrown this out at you at all, but do you have a definition that you'd be able? De- defining terms at the beginning is always good. We like to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can give you what Saint Thomas says, which is the right answer. Do you, sure. Would you like to attempt to swing it? Well, I think that your conscience is the your uh, inner guide inner guiding voice that tells you what is right from wrong that the thing when nobody else knows what you're doing mm-hmm. it's like another person who still knows mm-hmm. you know it's like they're they're gonna hold you this as if your conscience is this other person but your conscience will hold you accountable for things and i think that it's uh really like uh uh putting justice into practice prudence it's putting prudence into practice. Is that what St. Thomas says? No, but that's accurate. Because um, prudence is just... Being able to know when to act rightly at the right time. Well, well so, right, but so it's, con- not, it's not necessarily... Prudence... Okay, anyway, keep going. Okay, so uh, conscience, St. Thomas says, is the, the consideration of a specific case in light of, in light of one's moral knowledge. That's why when the church talks about, you know... You, 
you should go with your conscience. You have, that's why it's imp- so important to have a well-formed conscience because right. yeah. having a well-formed conscience means that you will have you will understand the moral knowledge that you're supposed to and be able to make and act on a specific instance the right way at the right time. So why do you say it's prudence and not justice? Because prudence is acting the right way at the right time. Right, but prudence doesn't always concern moral choices. Prudence often concerns choices that are like, oh, I should do this first or whatever. I mean, it's it's not necessarily between right and wrong. Prudence often guides us into joy, into like just this is the best way to do something or this is a better way to do something, not whether something is right or wrong. I see that's why I say it's justice because it's our conscience. The conscience principally concerns the moral choice. And so in as much as we are rendering to someone else what is their due, then our conscience is satisfied. It's when we fail in justice towards another or towards something that our conscience is inflamed. So it's not prudence in as much as like, oh, it was prudent of me to uh, do, you know, to pray before I did my chores today or something, you know, whatever, it, it, th- because that necessarily, that's n- maybe not a moral choice. And as, you know, if you, if, if you, if you're scrupulous, you can get down to everything being a moral choice, but that's just not not practical. You can't live that way where you, you know, it's like at where you have everything as a moral choice. You know, you just have to at some right. point get on with your life, sure. you know? Sure, sure, sure. Um, so that's why I was curious. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't, I, that's something I'd have to think more about. I don't, I don't feel like I have enough. Because think about to that. Think about I know when that has they, your conscience. I know that Joseph Pieper talks about the 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 importance of uh, prudence. The act of forming your conscience is is the act of prudence. So I'm going off of that. Well, no, certainly that it is it is prudent to form your conscience well. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that your conscience itself is informed by prudence. I mean, once again, everything is informed by prudence. You know, if prudence well, is sort of like charity. It's the first, it, yeah, it's the first of all virtues. You know, it's, like, it's like, oh, every virtue is prudence mm-hmm. because it was prudent as the charioteer of the virtues that was putting that right. virtue into practice. That, yeah, that's interesting, man. I, I haven't thought about it that way. I don't, so I I would have to think about it more before I could give you a rebuttal. The reason I was I was saying justice is because it seems to me that justice and, the con- and your conscience have 100% overlap in territory. Whereas there are parts of prudence that don't affect your conscience. Well, there, cause there's also natural, not just moral. I'm just, I'm just saying in general. Okay. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's some, that's a good point. I don't, I, cause if you fail in justice, I just know that other people have said prudence hmm. and not justice. Yeah. So I'm just saying these are my thoughts. Yeah. I, I but I think it's, I think they're, they're good thoughts. I, I, somebody will will probably email us or send us a correction or, you know, something. But I think that's that that is interesting. I I, I like that the thought process at least. Yeah, it seems consistent. But I don't know that I don't yeah, know. For I mean, sure. I, I definitely could be wrong. Um. So okay. So if it's applying morality to situations, you know, if you're applying morality to situations, it is very important that you make sure that your moral knowledge 
is well formed and you can't go into being like well i just won't know as much as i you know i'll try to know as little as possible so that way i won't be held accountable right that's that's weak it's weak well sauce. that's a, that would be sinful right um one of the things that Joseph Pieper said about about this, which I thought was interesting, about um, one of the biggest hindrances of forming your conscience is covetedness. Hmm. Uh, he says covetedness is the enemy of, of prudence and the enemy of forming your conscience because if you're uh, attached to something in like when you're attached to something that's irregular, like you're irregularly attached to something, I'm not using the right word, but if you're irregularly attached to something, you're overly attached to whatever it is and you, your uh, thought process or your the way you act may be not accurate, not in, in line with your moral thought, the moral law. That, that did not make sense. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. So it's basically like if you're so much attached to something that it blinds you into thinking into knowing what reality is. Mm-hmm. So if you, I don't know, uh, you love your truck, your car so much that so it's so nice, but it's so expensive that you know you you're not, you can't afford your house payment. So you're trying to right. justify it. Yeah, um, that's not that's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, so he says that being attached inordinate or inordinately, yes, thank you. Uh, two things is an enemy. Of prudence and an enemy to to forming your conscience. Yeah, yeah. One of the points he makes so well in that book is just that one exactly. He makes it over and over and over again, and you you start to see how important it is. Just that being in touch with reality mm-hmm. um, is so crucial to having virtue at all. Because without it, you might think that you're doing something good, and you're just not. Because you're just totally, you're living in your own la, you know, you're in la-la land. Right. The rules of la-la land are made up. You made them up. Right. It's la-la you be, land. Because you became the god of that land. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so just knowing who you are. Right. And, you know, viewing accurately the things around you is, is very critical for prudence. Specifically, uh, that's one of the, the things he mentions is just, Accurate assessment of of reality of the reality because right. if you're supposed to make a prudent decision, but you can't as- accurately assess the situation, it's not going to ever work. Right. So how do we do this with kids? That you know, this is what this is what Colin Gleason talks about is like how are we going to be able to apply this to our kids? How are we forming the conscience? Estab- as dads, we protect, provide, and establish. The establishing yeah. is very very crucial. How are we establishing our kids to make the right decisions once they're grown up? Mm-hmm. The first thing that he says is teaching principles and natural law. That's what I, that's, uh, when you told me this is the topic, I, the, my first thought was discipline. Okay. Uh, which is kind of like, you know, teaching the natural law. Well, he goes into, yeah, so what he says is there, he, there's so many variables, like you can't just give them like, here's all the right answers, you know, of everything that, that could possibly happen in your life. He uses the chessboard as an example, like after the third move of, of playing chess, there's like... Three million different variables, right? And after the fourth move, there's like over a billion different variables, and so you can never predict every single one of those variables, right? Yeah. But what you do is you you apply these. Okay, if they if this, yeah. But you know, like there's billions, but if it's not one of like a couple hundred, then it's a bad move. Well, okay, but so he he just uses that as an example to say like you can't just teach them this is right, this is wrong, this is right, this is wrong without telling them why you right. can't you have to give them the why yeah exactly so that way they understand okay this isn't something this isn't just a i don't want to go to hell kind of thing this is 
I want to go. I want to love God. I want to. Yeah. I want to be as happy as I can. The only way to be happy as I can is if I follow God's law. And obviously, it depends on the age of your children, because in the beginning, it really is just about right and wrong. Uh, you know, like right. the at the, the very, very at the, the very, very beginning. Early, you know, it, sure. for toddlers and young children, it's you don't need to know why. Actually, you just need to learn to obey. Mm-hmm. Obedience first, and then understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, but as the as time goes, in order Certainly. to establish, you the, have to say that obedience is critical, but it's not enough in the end, right? Yeah, because they have to be able to. Eventually, they're not going to be under mom and dad anymore, and sure. So they're going to have to be able to know why are we making these decisions, right? And even even when they are under mom and dad, still, they need to eventually be able to bite down on more than just because I said so. Exactly, and that's number two that he talks about. He talks about like. Uh, be, giving freedom and having them experience different scenarios to see how they react. And uh, he talks about how conscience is a before and after thing. So we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Okay. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan and Juan Posada, talking about forming the conscience of your children. It's not a recipe. No, it's not. It's not something. I wish it was. It's not cookie cutter. I wish it were. Right. I wish it was, or I wish it were. It would be nice if it was. Yes, it were. It were truly. nice. Yes, truly. <laughs> Forsooth, I say. <laughs> so, so the first one we talked about was establishing basically principles in, in natural law. Okay. Um, do you want to keep going or did you have something else? No, no, no. But I think that's uh, that's a good place to start. Just that, look, cause and effect. Right. If this, then in that. This. There are consequences to your accent, actions. That's kind of what I meant by discipline. Mm-hmm. You know that there are consequences. If you, there are rules that are established in this household. Uh-huh. You did not agree to these rules, and yet they will impose themselves on you nonetheless. This is like the natural law. Uh, maybe God wrote the rules, maybe I wrote the rules as your father. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, some <laughs> know, rules, it, it some rules are written by God, some rules are written by me. Right. You know, and the ones that are written by God are more important, but you have to obey all of them. Right. And if you choose not to, there will be consequences. Mm-hmm. Just so that they have that moral sense that uh, they need to they need to first know in their heart that they have done something wrong before their conscience can accuse them of doing something wrong if they don't know discipline then they won't discipline themselves right so that's that's what actually that leads right into number 2 which he talks about he says you have to give your kids freedom mm-hmm. now he says he gives a, a big caveat here as well he says Freedom does not, you know, freedom does not mean suppress your parental control or, you know, uh, discipline in and of itself. But it, it does mean to kind of suppress your parental urge to immediately help. Right. Because and don't help, don't helicopter parent. Exactly, don't helicopter parent. You know, as we were fishing this weekend, there were several times I wanted to tell my boys, "Don't fish over there. You're going to get your line caught. There's a lot of trees, with a lot of bushes." 
but I, I bit my tongue and I let them do it. What happened? They got the line caught and they spent a lot of time untangling their line. But you know what? Immediately after they finally got it untangled, they went and moved somewhere else. Yeah. And so, you know, they have to learn that I, the reason why I don't do it here isn't because dad's a tyrant, isn't because dad's being a jerk. It's because he knows mm-hmm. that you're going to get your line tangled right here. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't cast my net or cast my line right, right there. You gave him a net? Did you give him a that, net? That, no, I didn't give him a net. But hey, so, it's good enough for Peter. It's good enough for you. <laughs> but so, so he uses that example of, oh, well, he didn't use that example, but he's, he talks about, uh, you know, the importance of being able to, for your, to help form your kid's conscience. They have to be able to be put in different scenarios and be able to make the decision themselves. Yeah. Apply principles. I mean, so part of it is the conscience. You know, okay. There's our moral faculties where we can say what is right and wrong. The thing is that a conscience is a little bit of a caveat between knowing what something is right and wrong and caring whether something is right or wrong. Okay. You see, because I could know it's wrong, uh, and yet I don't care because my conscience is not well formed. There's nothing interior in myself holding me accountable. You see, I'm not. Hmm. I don't care to hold myself accountable. So. Uh, I think the other thing you have to do is establish a prayer routine with your children because if they don't come to love um, something greater than themselves, mm-hmm. then they won't. I mean, I think about myself in college. Um, I knew very well the things I was doing were wrong. I had no doubt in my. If you had asked me, I'd be like, "Yeah, I was just probably I should, probably shouldn't do that. I don't care." Mm-hmm. You know, and yet I did it all the same. Eventually, my conscience did catch up to me eventually mm-hmm. um and i did have there was a day where like out of nowhere i had kind of like this moral crisis and right um but there was just a day and i got over that too and went right back into it um knowing once again it was right and wrong so i think that there's a difference between having the moral faculty and then having caring whether something you know knowing or caring yeah and that's the that's actually his third point is correction is talking about correction, and he St. Thomas talks about how there's two applications, I guess, that may not be the right word, but there's two applications of, of your conscience. There's a before the event and the after the uh, okay. event. The before event is like what you've talked about before on, on our show is like, if I haven't thought about a scenario and I get put in that scenario, I, I may make the wrong decision. However, if I've thought about a scenario and I know what the right thing is to do and I get put in that situation, I've already made that decision to do the good yeah. and it, I, it's no longer a thought, it's just a reaction. Well, that's part of forming the conscience, right? It's part of you know making sure that like, why am I doing that? That, that, would, be the, that would be the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. The other part is after you actually do something. And this is what St. Thomas talks about being the moral teacher of an action. Because it's the thing that weighs on you after you do something that's wrong right that says you know that wasn't the right thing to do yeah but you did it mm-hmm. and so he uh gleason talks about in, in in there it's so important to to ha- to build that up in your child because this is the, the, the this is the, the moral teacher of actions within himself and if right. you're going to establish your kid you have to be able to make sure that they have this application of their conscience mm-hmm. uh to, this weekend I was up in the back porch Luke with with Haley. Luke comes running up. Jude right behind him. Luke goes, Jude did something wrong. And Jude comes in crying. goes, Luke, I told you already I was sorry. 
and he comes running up and he's in tears and goes up to his to to Haley and he's he is in tears and he goes I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out he drank some Dr Pepper that he wasn't supposed to drink, but he had this he, he knew that he take had him done, to the woodshed. Yeah, but he knew he had done something wrong and he had already been sorry for it. Luke was was tattling on him, which he you know you're not anyway. Yeah. He was tattling on yeah. him, uh, and he had tattle tailing is like. A difficult scenario as a parent. I know because you want to know what they're doing, but you don't want to. Right, like if something, if someone does something wrong, I want you to tell me. Right, but I don't want you to tap. I want you to like resolve it yourself. Right, you know, it depends on if it's serious. If it's serious, I want to know. But but Jude had this like heartfelt, like he was running up saying, "I already told you, I was sorry." And Why was he apologizing to Luke for drinking Dr. Pepper? Because it was his Dr. Pepper. It was Luke's Dr. Pepper. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he, Jude got him mixed up. There were two Dr. Peppers there. Jude drank Luke's, said he was sorry. Luke came and told on him. Jude had already apologized, but then knew afterwards that he had done something wrong and came to mom and said, I did something wrong. Yeah. Which, it, like... It's so much fun getting your little, your was, little brothers in trouble. It I was actually that. hard. Like, it kind of pulled on my heart a little bit to see... Like him. Jude going, how could you do this to me, brother? I told you I was sorry. Like, why are you betraying me right now? Well, but he, then it, not only that, but more more so he knew that he was wrong and he had this deep remorse for it, even though it was like something petty. But was it uh, an accident? I mean, if it's an accident. No, I think, well, I think he did it on purpose. Yeah. I don't know this for sure, but yeah. Jude's, Jude's temperament says. He might have done he, it on He purpose. may have done yeah. that on purpose. Anyway, it's this, you have to be able to establish this uh the the back side of the conscience of saying yeah. like you did something wrong and you have to rectify it right because there is like the also the other side of like if you didn't know like oops sorry brother i got your dr pepper can confused with mine right Different. your conscience if well formed should not accuse you right because if it is accusing you you do not have a well-formed conscience you have a scrupulous conscience right okay and that's an issue that you need to work out too because that will cause its own uh, moral problems in your life, mm-hmm. spiritual life problems that might be worse. Right. That's how that's how scrupulosity is. I mean, it, it, okay. So yeah. the next one he talks about is culture. Uh, you know, what are your kids reading? And he makes this interesting yeah. point about that is that's a huge one. He makes an interesting point because I thought what he's going to talk about at first is friendship. You know. Who are your kids being around? Mm. But he makes this point that basically up until eight years old, your kids don't have actual friends. They have playmates, but they don't have friends. They don't have this authentic friendship of willing the good of the other, like St. Thomas talks about. Mm -hmm. And he says, so it is obviously important to have your kids around. They they can still influence each other. And and have your kids around good other other people. Good families. Good families. But he says, what's even more important, at least at the beginning, is what are they reading? And what are they watching? Mm -hmm. Because... That that is what is affect uh, them at the early ages, and being able to form their consciences correctly right. um, is going. You have to be able to know what they're reading, know what they're watching, and know what they're listening to, know what the music they're listening to, whatever it is. Yeah, I also think silence is important as you get older. Um, just be able to listen to the still small voice. Um, if you are practiced. Mm-hmm. at distracting yourself from that voice like oh i know what i do whenever this i start to hear this i pull out my phone and get on facebook right or i play video games or something no you need to learn to hear it right 
Uh, the last thing that he talks about, oh, I'm sorry. So friends, he, he talked about the important, it's still important to be able to surround yourself with friends. The last thing he talks about as far as the culture is, is role models. Who are yeah. they looking up to? Which I think is a big thing. I think you have to be able to, you know, that's why it's important to, to tell them about the stories of the saints, to tell them about good role models that are, you know, sports figure, figures or whatever, making, you know, making sure like, hey, look, this guy prayed before whatever. I mean, I don't know. Glory stories. Yeah. Um, so make sure that they, they're looking up to the right people, the virtuous men. Saints. Saints. Yeah. Glory stories. Yeah. If you have young children and you have not discovered glory stories, you need to. You need to. So uh, the last thing he talks about is the avenue of, what he calls the avenue of friendship. And this is, uh, the he calls it the authentic friendship with dad. Hmm. Because it's the avenue for authentic friendships. If he's not, if you're not having, being able to provide an authentic friendship with your father or someone that gets older, uh, uh, real opportunities to talk about real life things and knowing that, like, I'm talking to you about this because I want you to succeed in life, then it's very hard for him to have these authentic friendships later on in life. Yeah. So anyway, I thought it was really good. I wanted to just talk to you about it. Sweet. I like it. All right. Well, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus.